Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. I wanted to create a segment. I have up here with me Alan Lowry. Everyone give it up for Alan. <laughs> yeah. And um, this whole month of December, I wanted to invite some people up here who are just, you know, they would certainly say they're not heroes or they're not special. Um, they're just humble servants for the Lord, and they felt a call in their heart, and they're, and they're giving their time, talent, and treasure to um, something they feel called to. And today is Alan's churn, and we were having coffee the other day, and um, I mean, just briefly, we were, I was picking up my coffee order, and he was sitting here enjoying his, warming up. And um, Alan, you have felt the call over the last, uh, gosh, that's probably since Katrina, which was 2005, it's been almost 20 years, the call specifically to like the Ministry of Disaster Relief. Tell us a little bit about kind of that, that call and your specific journey down to Florida a month or so ago to help families in need. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh... I was asked by my pastor back in 2005 to take a a group of people to go serve the people that had been impacted by Katrina. And at that time, we had a wonderful week, and uh, I took my two oldest kids, and and, uh, I just felt like I felt used of God to minister to people. And so I decided that once I retired, that I wanted to do much more of that. Mm -hmm. And so... My wife and I are both together in this, and we, we got trained as chaplains, disaster relief chaplains, and we began to serve with the Southern Baptist to help people that have been impacted by floods, hurricanes, fires, uh, mass feeding event, uh, uh, circumstances where people need to be fed, even, even helping refugees come across the border. So it's, right. that's what disaster relief is, and we go in and we just... In the name of Jesus, help people dig out of the horrible disaster they've been through. Right. Yeah, and you had this recent experience in Florida, which even sitting with you, uh, I don't know, a week or two after the, the storm blew through there, I realized how short my memory is. Like, I, I saw it in the news cycle, and then it was gone, and so it's gone from my heart and my mind. You, again, feel that call. You go down there. Tell us about some of the ministry and some of the sites from, from boots on the ground there in Florida. Well, you see the pictures in the news, and it, it does disappear after a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But you go down there. They're in a situation that's going to be devastation for years, and it'll take years to, to dig out. But uh, I responded to a call to be deployed to, to Fort Myers, and our job was to do what we call mud out. And so imagine your home being filled up with five feet of water for a period of, you know, six hours or something. Everything in your home would be destroyed. Nothing would be of any use. All the furniture, all the floor coverings, all the cabinets, all the appliances, the drywall has mold on it, and the, the house just needs to be gutted. And so there are many people that don't have insurance. They don't know what to do. They have a horrible mess on their hands and all of their belongings, maybe even their cars too, have been destroyed. So we come in as a team, and in the, 
in the name of Jesus, we pray with them and we spend a couple of days with them. We really get to hear their story at the same time we're digging out their house. We're throwing all their belongings into a big pile in the front yard and, and it's the trash truck's going to come take it away. But in those couple of days, we really get to know these people and all we're doing, you know, my skill set is I can push a broom, I can swing a hammer, I can push a wheelbarrow, I can tear drywall off, mm -hmm. and using those basic spiritual gifts <laughs> that I'm sure you'll be talking about, uh -huh. um, we're able just to demonstrate in a practical way Jesus' love for them. Right. And then, you know, and I, I'll tell one story and really kind of showing how God works through these situations. Many times it's when people are at their lowest, they're really open to the right. Lord, but we were called to this house, and uh, a woman lived there, is probably mid-70s, and she was taking care of her invalid mother, who was 103. And because of the predictions of where the storm was going to go and so on, she was not able to evacuate her mother before the storm hit. So she you know, she was there during the storm. And the water in her house, she was a, a short lady, and the water in her house came up to her chin. And her mother, who's laying on the bed, the mattress floated up, and she spent five or six hours managing her mother, making sure her mother didn't roll off and drown inside of her house. Mm. Uh, and then the water subsided. And by the way, she said she really prayed hard. The water was up to here, and, she, and had it come up a few more inches, maybe she would have drowned, you know. But she had, once the water subsided, she was there another two days before anyone came to rescue. No food, no water. But we, anyway, we went to her house, and we helped clean it out, and we saw her son was there. And her son, and I, I got a chance to talk to him, and he used to go to church with his mom and he through those few days God really touched his heart and he renewed his faith in the Lord and began to really he and his family take them back to church and at least that's what he said he would like to do so it's just God's work in a heart to responding to the love of Christ yeah. simple that's a beautiful story Alan and, and heart wrenching in its own way but I think we can all hear in your story that idea that it's so true that good, good deeds do pave the road for good news, and you don't ever even have to utter a word, but you're there and you're present. And uh, the thing that was so remarkable to me is like um, the, the sense of defeat when you wake up that next morning and you see, I have to start somewhere, but you just, I don't know how you could have the motivation or the energy or the emotion to know where to start. And you guys get in there, and that's what you do. You just take care of that first barrier and you got it you really got it and strip it but that's like that gives all the hope in the world and so what an incredible ministry tangibly materially and, and spiritually as well and um thank you for agreeing to share this story with us this is a god story or a god sighting and it's a it's a cool ministry i know it's just everyday stuff for you but thank you for doing it and thanks for giving of your time and thanks for willing to be sharing share with us and actually carol would you be okay coming up so i can pray for you guys is that all right and and you guys can give it up for alan thank you alan And um, both these guys' ministry just continues, and so I'd, I'd be privileged just to give. They both, Carol's working in our prayer team, and Alan, of course, is in disaster relief. He helps with homeless, Mexico, and other teams at the church. And uh, so I just want to pray that God would continue to provide for you guys and
protect you guys. Jesus, thank you so much for the Lowry's. Thanks for um, Alan and Carol and their ministry that they felt called to and, and their, their faithful hearts to respond to that call. And thanks for giving them the tools um, emotionally, physically, spiritually to be able to go into these situations, the season of life where they're able to do that, God. Um, thank you that, you that they are the sent ones for that. I can't maybe go down to Florida, God, but, but they can. And I'm thankful there's people like them you've called. And um, I pray you'd protect them so they can keep doing this important ministry they're both devoted to. Put a hedge of protection around them. Go ahead of them fighting their battles. And I just pray for fruit, just fruitfulness everywhere they go, every person they talk to, every life they touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you guys. You can give it up for them one more time. Man. Just puts, uh, puts things in context sometimes hearing a story like that, right? Um, a couple of quick things that I also don't want to forget uh, that are really meaningful to us. On each one of your chairs is a uh, Lent de- uh, devotional, a, a Christmas, excuse me, Advent, an Advent devotional for this month of December. We're, we're not uh, terribly strong as a church in following the liturgical kind of church history calendar, but one way we try and peg ourselves uh, to, to the wall on this is we get this for you guys every year. This is a gift, that, you know, and uh, we, we, we buy a set for everyone in the church to have one. And what does this do? This ties you to church history. It ties you to the story of Jesus. It gets your heart, mind, and body into the word of God, um, you know, for even a few minutes each day. It's a great guide for you and your kids. And there's extra copies out on the table. If you want to grab them and give them out, you can. Um, but it's a great way to just go with the flow of the schedule of this month of December and stay in the story and be connected to Jesus and, and each, each one has an invitation card for Christmas Eve services. Like Ryan so greatly said, this is not for you, it's for your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. And so I just, we're praying that you would let your heart break this year for someone who needs to be sitting next to you in church. Um, that's what this is for. People are way, way, way open to giving church a chance, trying church again during Christmas time. At Christmas Eve, that's, that's when people are going to go. My neighbors, they come on Christmas Eve. They don't come to the 15 other invitations I give them, but they come on Christmas Eve. And so I just encourage you, grab a bunch of these copies as well and give those to someone who needs the hope of, of Jesus, all right? So um, that's that. That's for Christmas time. That's the last announcement. And uh, we're going we're gonna to kick off this new series, Childlike Faith, by reading Matthew 18. It says this, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus called a child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you churn around and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now this is, a, in my mind, this is a, a sort of Christmas story. Matthew 18. At Christmas time, at the epicenter of the story is a baby. What a confounding truth, isn't it? That one little human baby could be the thing that confounds nations and kings and dictators and the powers that be. A baby is the center. That's a human baby is the epicenter of that story. How could one little human baby be that thing that confounds Bashan? Bashan, if you missed it last week, is the mountain that represents all evil powers and principalities. It comes from Psalm 68. Bashan was like... The antithesis of the mountain of God. It was the mountain of evil, Bashan. One little tiny human baby 
He's going to have the power inside himself to take down the powers that be. And that's what Scripture tells us. Look at this from uh, Psalm 110, this amazing messianic, this Jesus psalm. It says, here is the Lord's proclamation to my Lord. Sit down at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord extends your dominion. That is Jesus. It's a reference to Jesus, God to Jesus. The Lord extends your dominion from Zion, from the holy mountain. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will willingly follow you when you go into battle. On the holy hills at sunrise, the dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord makes his promise on oath, and he will not revoke it. You are an eternal priest after the pattern of Melchizedek. O sovereign Lord, at your right hand he strikes down kings. In the day he unleashes his anger. He executes judgment against the nations. He fills the valleys with corpses. He shatters their heads over the vast battlefield. From the stream along the road he drinks. Then he lifts up his head. That's, um, that's one heck of a warrior baby, isn't it? The powerful, powerful son of God. And then we have, we have this. We have this little guy. That's Deacon. He's my two-year-old. And you may be asking, what's this cute kid got to do with our warrior baby Jesus? I mean, anyone can tell that they're both children. But uh, what's the connection? This little guy. This In-N-Out Burger. I mean, what's more innocent and precious and unassuming than just a two-year-old with his french fries? It's beautiful, isn't it? So vulnerable. He's posing. He's such a poser. He just walks in and he just poses. And he just... He's overflowing with all of this personality. It's insane. It's blowing my mind. What's the connection? Let's look back at Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus calls the child. He has him stand among them. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn around and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom. Jesus uses incredibly strong language to imply that we must become children. The Greek phrase is, it's an emphatic reference. Never enter the kingdom unless we, unless we become like children. And the connection is simply this. The, the, the way to be great and powerful in the kingdom is to become like a child. That's the connection. The way to become great and powerful in the kingdom is to become like a child. The baby, the baby that comes to Mary, the baby that comes to all of us at Christmas time is the ultimate symbol of humility, of weakness even, insignificance. Yet this baby will be the hero, the savior, the conqueror of all. And I thought twice, should I really describe baby Jesus as weak? And the answer is yes. I checked myself. I checked myself spiritually, emotionally. I'm checking scripture. And there's a great host of witnesses that's, that suggest even when you are weak, then he is strong, the Bible says. So if you're wondering, Ben, how could you? That's apostasy to say that Jesus was weak. No, even in his weakness and his vulnerability as a child, even in your weakness and your insufficiency, then God does some of his most powerful work. When you come to the end of yourselves, he shows up. And even in Jesus' weakness on the cross, we are made whole. So yes, I'm, I'm comfortable with putting those words on the screen today. The pathway, what's the connection between this two-year-old child living in my home and baby Jesus? The pathway to power, according to, to Jesus, is at least 
three things when we look at Matthew 18. He says, churn around. That's our first thing, is churn. Now, when I, when I first looked at this word, I thought, surely he means repent. But it's actually a different word. Um, churn is uh, strepho, which is Greek dictionary entry 4762. It's not metanoia, which means to repent. That's dictionary entry 3341. For anyone who was wondering and wanted to look it up, you can do that. All I did was go to the internet and biblehub.com. You want to find out what Hebrew or Greek words are that you're reading in the English? You can go to that website and you can do what I've done here to see that it's quite a different word, strepho. It doesn't mean repent or change of mind, metanoia. It means to, to take an opposite or divergent course. It has a straightforward meaning. The reference, this word turn that we read just from Jesus in Matthew 18, and all the other times it's used in the New Testament, maybe 20, 30 times, it's mostly just a human being walking one direction and then turning another direction. It's mostly a very functional, practical way to describe someone making a right-hand, left-hand U-turn decision. And so the practical question, because guys, I, I tell you, we didn't just need another cute title for the series. Like, we got the child in the manger on the stage. So we didn't just need like a crafty marketing idea of childlike, a Christmas series. Cool, we got the name. No, we want you to think for yourselves, how is Jesus asking me today, right here, first Sunday in December 2022, to become more like a child? And so the, the means of becoming childlike, the first one is to turn around. And so what's one thing in your life that requires an about face? What's one thing in your life? I won't even seek to try and answer it for you. Only you can do that work. But what's one thing in your life? You just know when I say it, I have a feeling that you're, you're self-aware enough, even if you won't say it out loud. What's one thing? It floats immediately to the top. I say one thing that needs an about face. And you're like, yeah, it's that one thing. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to touch it. But I know that thing that I've been thinking, that I've been doing, that I've been spending my time and money on is not reaping the rewards false advertising. It's not doing what they said it would do. So Jesus says the way to childlike first is to churn around. The second thing that he says is to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. That, well, we could preach that a hundred different ways. Humility, to think less of myself. No, just to think less about myself. Um, I should humbly serve. I should do what Alan does and just humbly serve. I should just rush and go just serve someone in the, in the messiest sort of way. And yet there's another aspect still. This, this type of humility I think that Jesus is talking about is dependence on God, not ourselves. That's what I think Jesus means when he likens humility with a child, right? Because my two-year-old, we're going to go back to him in a second, my two-year-old doesn't know how to choose humility. <laughs> he doesn't, sorry. If you need a case study for sin, you can look at a two or three year old. They don't, they're going to run over you and they're going to be imperfect. They're going to be, you're going to see that little side of their character come out. They don't know any better. You know, they're good too. They're good. God baked goodness into them too. And they're sweet and they're good. They have a good side, but they also have this fallenness too. And, and so he couldn't fake humility if he wanted to, which would be a sin, right? To fake, to tell a lie with your character. He couldn't do that if he wanted to. So it can't be that. It can't be just let's model humility or virtue signal humility. It means, I think, if Jesus is talking about a childlike humility, the means of production are our total dependence on God, not ourselves and our own salvation projects too. 
yesterday, my wife and I decided that we were going to take our first drive down to our partner church in Mexico, in Rosarito. I've been, I've been myself many times with a far more competent and experienced driver who's done that trip many times. And when you go with a competent or experienced driver down to Mexico, you can pretty much tune out. Why? You're just childlike dependence. My friend Joe Hill, he's done Mexico ministry for 10 years. Or Francisco, our Spanish-speaking pastor here in, in Costa Mesa. When I drive with him, man, he's from there. He can do it forward and back, no problem. I get in the back of their truck, I could take a nap. Like, I don't even know where I am, I'm transported. But not yesterday. That was not the chapter and the story that God had for us. I have not rehearsed this story. I didn't even know if I would share it, mostly because of this qualifier I'm going to give. I don't want to turn anyone off from going to Mexico. It's an ongoing ministry that we'll do all the time. We'll do house build trips. We'll do Christmas Santa drop-off service like we did yesterday, and it was magnificent, you guys. You wouldn't believe, like, over, at least, I think, 70, 60, 75 few guys, just a hand select of leaders went down to help us. And 60, 70 kids alone, plus another 50 adults. And the team, the, the volunteer leaders go and they go to Walmart and they get seven carts deep of presents from the local economy. And then they, they wrap them up. Someone took time to wrap them. Who did that, Bucky? Someone took time to wrap them. And they put on this nativity production. And then we have Santa there who's a volunteer. And then... They get to do gifts by name, and it's a masterful piece of ministry. And people came to know the Lord for the first time. Bucky got up and did a translated gospel message, and people were like, I want to know Jesus. And the, and, and the, and the kingdom was expanded in Rosarito yesterday, guys. It was powerful. Like at least a dozen households surrendered themselves to Jesus for the first time and said, I'll no longer trust my self-salvation projects, and I will be wholly dependent on you, Jesus. And today, they're in the kingdom. I mean, such a powerful day of ministry. And I will learn the right way to drive down to Mexico in Jesus' name. I'll learn it. I'll learn how to do it right. But not yesterday. Yesterday, we were extorted, not by one, but by two fellows trying to cross the border. And then I'm out of cash. And then by the second time I'm extorted, by a police officer, by the way, I get out of the line, which is a, a two-mile line. Okay? It's two miles to the border. You can reach out and touch it. But it takes, no exaggeration, it takes seven hours to sit in that two-mile stretch of road. And we were in that line, finally, after getting lost two or three times, we're in that line, and the police officer says, no, you should go to the other lane. I go to the other lane, and another police officer says, no, you're in the wrong lane. You've got to pay me money if you want to stay in this lane. And I just was like, whoa! <laughs> it was dark. It was a dark moment for me emotionally, to be quite serious. It was, it was kind of scary when I got out of that line for the third time, and then I, and then, because the maps quest, and the map on my screen, it was not working, and then the handout that we got physically was not working. Where was I, guys? And I was supposed to be the one that my family, I had eight kids with me and my wife, and we're in the bus. I wonder if we look like an easy target. You might as well have the rainbow sticker and the Jesus loves you sticker, like all in American English, like just such an easy target. I digress. And so they're all depending on me, and I got nothing. I got nothing. 
I got nothing. I cannot pull my family out of this moment, and I'm terrified. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was the second scariest moment of my life since having kids. I felt trapped. I'm a human being, and I can confess that to you. I have genetic stuff and emotional stuff and stress stuff and whatever it was. I'm not a naturally anxious person, but I was, I think, what it must feel like to be near a panic attack. I was having a hard time. It was scary. And there was no real need, it's true, no real need to be scary. We ended up just getting right back in the right spot like five minutes later. And then we were in the line. And then we waited seven hours and we got across safe. And it was, we had In-N-Out Burger in America at 9.30 p.m. Like, that's the end of that story. So, cool, right? But in that moment, I had nothing. And I just cried out and I said, Jesus, help. Jesus, 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 help. When no one else could help. And no other technology. Nothing else was there. And, and, and truly... We turned a right, and then another right, and we were in the line. We said, Jesus, help, Jesus, help, Jesus, help. We took two right turns, and we were in the right spot. And then we just had to wait it out. And it was all good. But, man, you guys, I pray that you don't have to have so many. This is a dramatic story that's not really that dramatic, okay? It's pretty basic. It's pretty easy. It's pretty simple. That's, I pr- probably guarantee you that's never going to happen to any one of you. Definitely not after today because you, you take the lessons from my, my playbook, okay? But do we need God to break us in that kind of way? To break our self-sufficiency and our self-dependence? Sometimes I guess, but there's a better way in becoming childlike in our daily lives and depend on him and not our own self-sufficiency. Jesus says, churn. He says, humble ourselves, defined as dependence on him. And he says, welcome. When you receive a child, when you welcome a child like this, you welcome me, Matthew 18 says. When you welcome the child, you welcome me. The Greek word is welcome or receive. And this is a crash course in the Greek middle voice. There's three different kinds of voices in in the Greek language. It kind of is relevant. There's active, passive, and middle. Passive, Passive is like, it happened to me. God broke in and he saved me. There's a passive, which is like, uh, excuse me, that's passive. God broke in and he saved me and he did a miracle right in front of me. And then there's uh, active, which is like, I loaded the, 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 the busted up guy on the side of the road onto my donkey. Good Samaritan, right? I loaded him up on my donkey, active. I'm the one doing it. The subject of the story is also the active participant in the story. Passive, I'm not doing it. Someone else is doing it. And then there's the middle voice. This is a crazy nuance, but it's really important for how you read Scripture. And I just really was learning this this last week, and so I'm happy to share it with you. But it's such a mystery to get this and understand this. What the middle voice is saying in this context is, I choose and I'm chosen. See what I'm doing there? Playing on a popular theological concept. Does God choose or do we choose? The answer for me in this local church is both. Both. And the way that we can understand that is the Greek middle voice. I receive and I myself am being received. And I think that's what Jesus is saying there in Matthew 18. And I'm just going to show it to you. I'm going to go back for a second just so you can, so I don't have to try and prove it to you. But um, whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. 
Do you see what's happening there? Do you see the I choose and I'm chosen, I receive and I'm received? That's Jesus' words. Whoever welcomes a child like this in my name also welcomes me. And so this welcome and receiving, guys, is um, acceptance. Are you okay being received by the Father with this kind of love? This kind of faithful, pursuing, squashing love? Are you still doing this? You know, like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not lovable, and ah, no, you can't love me that way, or you couldn't love me in my dark areas or my secret sins, or, you know, you can cover me. In that. No, you don't want to see that. No, God, you don't want to hear that. No, God, you don't want to talk to me like that. No, God, you don't want to access. You don't want to spend time with me right now. I'm, I'm in a bad place. I'm not doing it right. Jesus says, you cannot enter unless you become childlike. Stop doing that with me. You can stop pushing me away. Let me in and I will come in. Revelation, I stand at the door and I knock, but I won't shove my way in. You have to open the door. So part of childlike is to turn around. Part of childlike is to is humble dependence. And another part of being childlike is to receive Jesus as much as he is receiving us, which I fear we could probably never really do because his love is so, right, unqualified and no strings attached. But you can begin in your own small way. Remember, this is what's one practical takeaway that I become more childlike today. So in what way do you need to accept the Father's love this morning? In what one way do you need to Get rid of those obstacles and barriers and just receive him and welcome him into every part of your heart, every area that you're holding back. You can let him in. Receive him and he'll receive you. So we're going to go back to this, this picture, man. Oh, so good, right? Look at that guy. Just dwell on his face. Let me ask you. Does he question which way I, his father, am going to tell him to turn? Listen, unless he's having a fit or a tantrum, you guys who are parents of two-year-olds are like, well, I don't know. Okay, just be cool, okay? We're assuming that he's not having a fit or a tantrum. And you know this about your two-year-old. It's pretty much true. Unless he's having a fit or a tantrum, does, he, does the two-year-old question which way to go? No, he's like just with his padded feet. That's the, that's the move of a two-year-old, just... Just happy and what? Checked out because they don't got to do nothing, man. They just got to look and hold the hand of dad or mom and just right, left, turn around. Does he know what ego is, man? He doesn't know what ego is. Is he putting up fronts and faces and false selves to the world? No, dude. He couldn't devise it if he wanted to. Does he know what it is, like I said before, to feign humility? No. He's only got one speed. And it's, I'm the best thing in the world, man. Look at me, dude. Look at my hair. This is not a photo shoot. No one did anything to his hair. Like, we didn't, like, no. That's natural, baby. That kid only knows one thing. Look at me. I'm great. The world is great. Does he know how to reject a good thing? Remember, receive and be received. Accept, welcome, and be welcomed. Does he know how to reject a good thing, dude? Hey, 
I want to see, this is where you can answer out loud, you can not. Does he know how to reject a good thing? Nah, dude. Nah. Childlike, 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 childlike. And, and, I, and I know not everyone has kids in their home right now, and that's great. That's the season God has you in. And some wish they did, and God bless you, we're praying for you. And, and some are ready not to have kids, and that's okay. That's why I have the picture on the screen. I, I'm, I'm grateful because I need that every day. A reminder that my self-salvation self, self, self projects stink, that I, I got to depend on him, that I got to churn around in at least one or two or three or half a dozen key areas in my life. And I need to accept him and stop rejecting him into the deep and dark parts of my heart. And so Jesus just lets this guy just romp a stomp into the room and he's like, here I am. And it's pretty cool because most of you know this and don't be too distracted if you didn't know this, but my wife and I have 10 kids. And so sometimes like you can lose the wonder (laughs) when you're surrounded by 10 little people, right? With their noise and their demands. But like by the grace of God, I've been noticing him more and just his sheer delight and wonder and innocence and like childlikeness. They say terrible twos, right? And right now with him, I'm, there's no terrible twos for me with him. He can kind of do no harm. He's just in this sweet golden phase. And the, and the Holy Spirit is just using this two-year-old just to wreck me and to keep me on my knees and to keep me just filled with childlike wonder. Let's go to Mary now. Some of you are wondering. It's the first Sunday in December. So the earliest part of the Christmas story picks up with Mary. And yes, The punchline is that Mary is a beautiful example of this childlike faith, of this childlike dependence. And we'll just do the long reading now because it's such a beautiful picture of that. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But as she was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of his greeting. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. That's some kind of news, isn't it? That's some kind of news to receive as a likely teenage young woman. Weird for our standards, but not then. You would have been betrothed and engaged in your teenage years. No problem. It's very normal in the first century I'm Jewish culture, but still some kind of news. Not only that you're pregnant by Holy Spirit conception, but but the baby you carry is going to be the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. Mary understands the language. She, quote-unquote, understood the assignment, okay? That's That's the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. And let's see how she responds. So Mary said, Yes, I am the servant of the Lord. 
let this happen to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As the band comes up, I want to ask, how's it going? Turning around? How's it going in humble dependence for you? How's it going accepting the Father's love? Because the answer to that question, how's that going? Your journey of becoming more Christ-like now, during your regular days? Right? I, have, I have all these days out of the year, 364 days out of the year, and, and I'm, I'm becoming more childlike. And then the 365th is my commute from Mexico to the U.S., right? You get what I'm saying? All these other days are the practice ground for dependence on God. And then boom, you get punched in the face. Remember the Mike Tyson quote? Everyone has a game plan until you're punched in the face. Everyone has a strategy until you get punched in the face. Now some of my friends here today might shame me for this later, to liken the news that Mary has received as a face punch, but in some very practical, tangible way, it would have been. It's an incredible weight, an incredible announcement to say you're going to have immaculate conception by the Holy Spirit, and by the way, that child will be the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. By his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The Bible says that about Jesus. At the end of time, regardless of what you believe today or the people outside this church believe today, Christian or non-Christian, the Bible says that all of us together will get an audience with God and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's the child that Mary carries. If you can't tell me that that's some kind of quote-unquote punch to the face, I don't know what it is, and look at her response, yes, I am the servant of the Lord. Let this happen according to your word. And she goes on. She, she launches into worship. My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has begun to rejoice in God my Savior because he's looked upon the humble state of his servant. I depend on you, Jesus. For from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I was going one direction and I felt blessed enough just to be a part of your favored people, but now I'm churning. I accept this assignment. I'm I'm taking this churn and now everyone for all time will call me blessed. And holy is his name. From generation to generation, he is merciful to those who fear him. He accepts and welcomes those who fear him. The word merciful there is a Greek version of the Old Testament chesed. Chesed is used hundreds of times in the Old Testament Bible. It's one of the biggest narratives of all scripture, not just the Old Testament. And chesed means faithful love. He is God, Adonai El chesed, the God of faithful love. He keeps his promises for a thousand generations. His promises of faithful, devoted love and mercy. That's the offer today. Will you welcome it? Will you receive it? Will you invite others this month to accept that same open invitation? That's the prayer. As we close with the song and then we take communion, um, come with that heart. There's communion stations at the front two tables and these back two tables. And and go to communion. And if there's an area in your life that you feel that you must turn around, what a beautiful moment in communion to bring that before the Lord and make that turn.
you need mercy and acceptance, go to the communion table and receive and drink deeply and richly of the mercy and acceptance of the Father. Let's pray and we'll go to communion. Jesus, thank you so much for your acceptance. Thank you, God, for your love, generational, devoted, committed love. Holy Spirit, help us to become like children this year, this moment, this day, this season. God, not just for the emergencies, not just for the face punches, God, but for everyday life. Help us turn around and enter the kingdom as children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.